Listening to the flip side with Noah Filipiak, connecting the reality of the gospel to the grit of life. You can support the podcast at patreon.com slash Noah Filipiak or at noahfilipiak.com slash give. Hey, 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 what's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 38 of the Flip Side Podcast. I hope you survived the election. It's officially over. I don't know what all of the news channels and websites will have to talk about or cover. Because I don't know about you, I got, I got so sick of ads for the election and all of the coverage. The presidential election as well as uh, Senate elections. I just get so tired of these ads that... You know, you see an ad and it says, Our candidate is an angel from heaven, and they will make you happy and wealthy, and they love your family and will make all your dreams come true. But that other candidate, they're from the devil, and they hate you, and they hate your kids, and they hate your grandma. And they're gonna take all your money away. That hurts my that hurts my voice to do that. I'm glad I wasn't hired to make those commercials. But you you go, wow, this one candidate, they really are an incredible person, and that other candidate seems awful. And then you watch the very next commercial and it's just flipped. Where like the the candidate that was the devil in the first commercial now is the angel and they love you and they're going to make you wealthy and joyful and and all these things and the other candidate you know you get the idea it just it gets to be a little much a little much i i do not like how partisan our politics are and we've talked about this on previous episodes uh Preston Sprinkle and I talked about this quite a bit in episode 32 and I followed up uh, with uh, part two of that in episode 33 of just how we we worship our political parties and we put so much faith and hope in our politics and it's it's good to vote it's good to be active in politics and 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 I think use politics to bring about biblical justice but wow we we Preston used the example of uh, the people of Israel being in Babylon and, and you know, they're living under a Babylonian king. And then we talked about in the first century, the Jews and the Christians being under Rome and being under the emperor. And our allegiance is not to Caesar. And there was, there was actually a huge faith conflict that uh, in the first century, Caesar was worshipped. He was theologically in the Roman religious system he was seen as god incarnate and you you had to give your allegiance to him you had to say he was lord and different caesars handled that differently but i mean some of them really took that <laughs> literally and and so there, there's a there's a whole even interpretation of the you know the mark of the beast in revelation actually referring to uh caesar domitian i believe and his name and, and having to say that he's Lord. And I mean, you had to choose between Jesus or Domitian. And it's just, you know, we, we can learn a lot from that about politics, that Jesus is our Lord. And 
I'm not not bashing politics, not bashing your involvement in it or your interest in it, but we really have to check ourselves on where we're putting our hope and 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 looking even at the psychology of how politics work, how they they really do brainwash people. I mean, there's a ton of propaganda and to to really have our foundation in the gospel and in Jesus uh, and in the scriptures, man, that is huge. So I hope that's a lesson uh, that can be learned through through this season as as we 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 wrap up a very volatile uh, election and a very we, we we are in a very divided country right now. So uh, today, sort of our, our topic of the day, I'm going to be sharing another sermon that I did, and I'll preview that uh, a little bit more uh, in a moment, but it was a sermon I did at Cornerstone University's chapel. That's my alma mater. Uh, the sermon was October 28th, so it was the Wednesday before the election. So I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, here in just in a few minutes when I when I preview it. But that was uh, it was an intense sermon, and it it uh, I hope it can help you as you process backwards now uh, on the election. It was not a sermon about the election; it's a sermon on Luke seven thirty six through fifty, uh, where this woman who was known as a quote unquote sinful woman in town. I came to dinner uninvited at the Pharisee's house and was uh, washing Jesus' feet with her tears. And so we'll get into that here in a few minutes. But a couple of podcast updates, exciting. Uh, we have some swag coming. I know I've been I've been just leading you on for months and months and months. Uh, the problem is, I mean, I thought we were ready. We had all this stuff designed had our, our print-on-demand company, sweet website, sweet setup, and I ordered some sample you know, products, and they weren't good. <laughs> they, they were not printed well. They were not printed professionally. It, it was not something I would be proud of to ship out to you. So had to, had to kind of start from scratch with a new print-on-demand company. Uh, I've gotten one product in so far. And uh, waiting on a few more, and so they're they're just on the way. They're in the mail. So I really do think, probably by the next episode, like how many times can I lie to you, or how many times can I? It's not really a lie, right? Because I am trying, <laughs> but how many times can I make a a promise that I don't deliver on? I think by the next episode, we will have swag, flip side swag. Uh, both some scripture-based, sort of serious swag that's inspirational stuff that might help you, and also just some funny, uh, goofy stuff. That's that's really what this podcast is. It's a mixture of of goofy attempts at humor and also obviously serious gospel-centered stuff. Uh, in the meantime, uh, patreon.com slash Noah Philippiak. Uh, that's where you'll be able to get the swag. Uh, but you, people are still signing up to be patrons now, which is super encouraging. Just had a new person add this week. So uh, we're up to eight. I know it's not a mind-boggling number, uh, but as I've said for a long time on the show, if we get up to 10, and I know you really care about this, <laughs> but it'll be fun to do uh, and to try, and I'm sure my wife will hate it. Uh, if we get up to 10... I won't shave my beard for a month, and I, I'm really, I'm really kind of excited to see where that'll go. I, I think 
at the ripe old age of 37, I could finally grow like a decently thick beard. And so uh, it's not something I would do on my own. And I, I don't know how much will grow in a month. I really don't. Maybe maybe it won't be all that impressive. Uh, but it'll, it'll be a month of no shaving. And then uh, the, 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 the next goal tier is to get to 20. And I don't think we'll get to 20, right, until we get the swag and, and promote that. But if we get to 20, I will shave. And again, you really care, right? But it's fun and funny. I will shave a handlebar mustache, which I've done before, and it is hilarious. I mean, if you rock a handlebar, you rock. I mean, not props to you. I'm not mocking you. Uh, but it is a it is a facial hairstyle. Is that a word? Uh, it's a facial hairstyle that only few can really rock well. Uh, I'm not one of those, and so it's uh, it's something I will rock for one week. I will rock it publicly for a week, and of course, it'll be fun to give social media updates of the growth of the beard uh, over a month, the before and after, and I think it will be sweet. Uh, flip side nation, flip eponymouses. If if uh, we could do the ten and the twenty in the same month, uh, then which again I think we'll wait for the swag to really try to push that. But to have a month of of growth, of facial hair growth, and then to go handlebar stash, that would be an enormous. <laughs> monstrosity of a, of a handlebar stash. So so we can all hope and dream and pray. Uh, let's name it and claim it, right? <laughs> we'll get into that on another podcast episode. Uh, yeah, awesome. So uh, the only other thing, Beyond the Battle Groups, we have two open. And uh, if, if you've done a group, let your friends know. I mean, we need to get the word out on these groups to more people. They are so fruitful. There are, there are seven weeks online. They're for dudes only. We go through the Beyond the Battle book. And uh, the the new book, the Zondervan book, is going to be on pre-sale on Amazon within the next week or so, I'm told. And so the only way from now until June, no, July 2021, which is when the new book comes out, the only way to get your hands on a Beyond the Battle book will be by doing one of these groups. I have permission to keep using uh, the old book for these for these groups. So there's seven-week groups. They're for guys. And the growth that guys go, – go to the website, beyondthebattle.net, read some of the testimonies. It is life-changing stuff. Growing closer in your walk with Jesus, whatever you're struggling with in your singleness, in your marriage, uh, discontentment, that inner ache inside of you, and that might be going sideways in any number of directions – could be pornography, could be sort of other ways that you're struggling, acting out, uh, just could just be lust. It could be that just that ache inside of you that things should be better. I'm not I, 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 I'm not I'm not content with this singleness. I'm not content with my marriage. My circumstances aren't any good. And we do some deep heart work with the gospel that Maybe your circumstances won't change, but you will. And man, that is life-changing. And so, yeah, beyondthebattle.net. Uh, we're scheduled to have a group kick off the beginning of December. And we're also scheduled to uh, have a group kick off at the beginning of January. Uh, so check it out. Get signed up. Last but not least, the Flipside Book Club is open for business. So we're reading through Spiritual Friendship by Wesley Hill. I won't talk about it too much in detail because I just did that 
last episode, episode 37, check it out. But go to my blog, noahphilippiak.com, find the book club, uh, Spiritual Friendship, get signed up. And I'm going to be interviewing Wesley in the middle of January, 2021. And so you can join the book club, interact with me on the book, on the blog, and then you can send your questions in to ask Wesley. So that's that. So uh, back to the sort of topic of the day, we're going to be jumping into this sermon that I already talked to you a little bit about uh, in Luke 7. And I, and this sermon, man, this was a really powerful sermon for me personally. I love preaching. One of the things I love about preaching is I, I experience the gospel just at a, a deep level when I prep a sermon. And these sermons that I deliver are sermons that I am living. It is They come out of my lived experience through what God is doing in me and challenging me too as I interact with the scriptures and his truth that he's giving all of us in the scriptures. And this one was really interesting, the way God uh, set me up for it, for for lack of a better word. I mean, this, uh, you, I don't want I'm not going to give you the sermon now because you're going to listen to it in a minute. Uh, but as I prepped the sermon, it was, it was, t- the sermon was going to be on a Wednesday morning. And Tuesday night, the night before, uh, was our young adult ministry. And it was a worship night. So there was no teaching. It was just worship, mostly music, but also some some sort of quiet time with God, some solitude time. And during and, and I was thinking about this sermon, and God is is calling me in this sermon. Uh, the sermon, it's about how Jesus welcomes the outcast. It's about multiple things, and I think it'll it'll hit you on different levels. But one of those things is Jesus welcoming the outcast. He had to choose between the popularity, the social pressure of the Pharisees. They were the in crowd. They were the ones with power. If you were going to be the Messiah, you certainly needed them on your side. Uh, he had to choose between them and that that acceptance, that social power, between that and this woman who was an outcast, this sinful woman, who if he, if he went with her, they were going to reject him. And if he went with them, it was uh, going to be a rejection of her because they, they were not allowing her into their circle and into their world. And uh, God is, is challenging me with that. And then, he's, and then in, in the story, the woman has to decide she's going to face shame and rejection when she goes to find Jesus at this dinner because the Pharisees will cast shame on her and they will reject her. And she had to overcome that rejection and have blinders on and have tunnel vision and seek Jesus with tenacity and say, all I want is Jesus. I want him so bad. I don't care about what the Pharisees think. I don't care about the rejection. I'm going after Jesus. And so I knew there were some things in the sermon that I I didn't even know how he was going to say them yet. And there were things that hit on some some political hot-button issues when it comes to the outcast. Because it's easy to point in Luke 7 at this sinful adult woman who, who we may think had a, a you know adulterous sort of reputation of some kind and look at her and say, she's the outcast. Good thing Jesus loved her. It's another thing to use good hermeneutics and to actually look at who the outcasts today are. And then what does it look like to love them, even if it means rejection by the religious powers of our day and acceptance and all those sorts of things which as an author, podcaster, etc., I definitely struggle with. You want to be accepted. You want people following you uh, because you sort of, quote unquote, need that to, to do your next book, to, do, you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Okay, so I struggle with these things. And so God is speaking to me Tuesday night and he's saying, are you going to say those things I want you to say? 
even if it means you might be rejected. Rejected by who? I don't know, rejected by you, the listener. You're gonna listen to this podcast today and then you might unsubscribe. You might never listen again. Uh, you know, rejected potentially by some of the students at Cornerstone, uh, pot- potentially by my employer, you know, uh, potentially by um, others, you know, just just um, people who are who are interested in sexual purity that Beyond the Battle is about, but they may not be interested in these things, right? And so all these things, and, and, and the Holy Spirit is speaking to me strong, saying, are you going to say what I want you to say? Are you going to pursue me with that tunnel vision, even if it means you get rejected? And, uh, and are you going to pursue the outcast the way Jesus did, even if it, if it, if it means, and it's going to mean, um, rejecting sort of that, that popular, easy message that you could deliver instead? And I said yes. I said yes, Jesus. I will. I will. I will embody you in this. I will embody that woman uh, in this. I will. I will say what you want me to say. I will be who you want me to be. And then uh, Wednesday came, and uh, you know, social distancing, COVID numbers, restrictions, and things. There was probably I think a hundred or hundred and fifty um, people, students at the chapel, and spread out. Uh, beautiful chapel lots of room that they're so they're spread out and uh to my uh we start gathering uh in and the students are coming in and i notice uh one student wearing a a bright red make america great hat and it was again uh the wednesday before the election and i thought oh okay kind of a strange hat to wear to chapel and then uh by by the time the chapel started there were five or six uh white males uh all wearing Make America Great hats of about 100 people or so at chapel, five or six wearing uh, Make America Great hats. And they were all sitting in the same section. And, you know, I'm not I'm not belittling you if you're a Trump supporter or voter. Um, I do share some thoughts on Trump's uh, character and um, in episode 33. uh, And I'll and I'll I'll reserve those for that episode. Um, I, I know many Christians, faithful Christians, many of you listeners uh, you know, voted for Trump and you had your reasons for doing that. Um, but it is important to know, and I don't know if these students knew what that hat symbolizes or if you have one of those hats, uh, or, but the, the, the hat is a symbol to many, uh, people of color, um, Latino, Hispanic, uh, black, um, particularly, uh, of oppression. It's a, it's a, it's a symbol of, of intimidation as well. And, and we can, we can unpack that. Um, I'm not saying you have to believe it is that I'm just telling you that for many people of color in the United States, that's what that hat symbolizes. And so also a little backstory. Um, I'm, I'm giving this to you not as an official source, so to speak. I don't know all of the information of what went down. Uh, but I was talking to a friend of mine, uh, who is Mexican and uh, I'm trying to be a little general here in my description. Um, alumni of Cornerstone. And so in, in recent uh, years, Cornerstone white students uh, started some sort of petition around campus that Cornerstone, this is my alma mater who I love very much and care deeply about. Cornerstone, their, their petition was that Cornerstone, it was something about was having too many um, people of color as chapel speakers, and there was too many chapels topics about racism. And 
I want to tell you that just that breaks my heart. You can imagine uh, what um, that communicated to my Mexican friend who was a fellow student with these students signing this petition. Uh, Cornerstone, I give them mad props. I'm proud of them. Uh, they, they have a, a black campus pastor. They have a black campus director of diversity, uh, which was not a position that existed uh, when I attended there back in 2001 to 2004. And um, they also have a black uh, professor, doctor, director of uh, creative arts, uh, and, and, and who happened to be leading the chapel worship um, the morning that I, that I spoke at, at chapel. And so you can get some backstory here, that there's a backstory here going on at the campus. And so there's these six guys in their MAGA hats, and I'm going, Jesus, really? <laughs> like, back to the conversation from Tuesday night. Now it's Wednesday morning. And I'm just going... It's chapel, first of all. It's chapel. I mean, you don't need to come to chapel, whether you are Trump or Biden or Kanye West, right? You don't, fans, you don't need to come. I love that Kanye ran as the birth, excuse me, the birthday party. It it allows me to laugh whenever I can get really like emotionally rattled about politics. I can just remember 60,000 people voted for Kanye and the birthday party. I Something about me just loves that. Okay, so whatever you're supporting, I don't think chapel is the place for you to come with your billboard for your candidate, right? I mean, that would be weird at church if people were coming with Biden or Trump or Kanye t-shirts. Uh, or billboards, or whatever it may be, you know? I don't think that's appropriate. And so I felt like these six guys wearing these hats probably did this every chapel. I felt like it was probably connected to this petition, which I think was from a few years ago or, or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But I was intimidated. I'll just tell you that. I was intimidated. I was intimidated because I knew what I was about to say in the sermon. And I'm praying, and the the... The creative arts uh, professor, beautiful um, job leading worship. He had five or six students up there singing, uh, one who was black, uh, the rest were white. And um, the professor is is African, and um, he uh, was born in Africa, and his, his, his style is a very mix of sort of cultural African plus uh, African-American gospel, plus, you know, contemporary, and it was just beautiful. And they did this song where the language kept switching from English to an African dialect, and it is beautiful. And I'm, I'm legit crying during worship, the song before I'm supposed to go up to preach. And, you know, I, I cry in worship a, a decent amount. I don't want to be all crying and, and blubbery when I when I get up there to preach, especially because my my opening illustration was very lighthearted. So I'm praying, and God is just saying to me, He said, Noah, are you going to be faithful? Are you going to be the woman with tunnel vision going after Jesus? Are you going to not care what other people think? And I said, Yes, I will. I will be that. I will do that. And so I just want you to have that background 
as you settle into this sermon to know really what was going on inside of me as I got up on stage. And, and it's one of those sermons I really felt like I left it all on the field. I have no regrets about the sermon. I feel like I said things that Jesus wanted me to say, and I feel like I said them well. I feel like I said them in a way that they could be received, and, and I think that's really important. I don't think soapboxes where we just blast people that disagree with us are helpful because they don't receive those things. And my hope is that people can receive them and the Holy Spirit can soften their hearts and, and allow them to maybe think about things in a new way. And I hope that's what happens today for you as well as you listen. And to give you a little bit of, um, of afterward as well, uh, the first two guys up at the stage when I were done were dudes wearing MAGA hats. And I'll admit my heart sank and uh, we didn't have a lot of time to talk, but they were super encouraged. And uh, they told me they loved the sermon. And they, they, they told me a few things in the sermon that really helped them and helped. Um, they, they gave critiques to their own political party. Like these two dudes were critiquing their own political party and their, their own, um, their own uh, president. And, and they were giving biblical critiques and uh, to to what their party was sort of um, what what am I saying? Not the stereotype, but the some of the things their that their party had done that they disagreed with as well. And I, I thought that that is is maturity. And I've mentioned that at length in episodes thirty two and thirty three, and I think other other places as well. We we it's okay to be Republican. It's okay to be Democrat, but we have to be able to give biblical critique to our parties. Uh, that is so, so, so important to be able to do that. And you can still support your party. You can still vote for your party, but be honest and give biblical critique. And I think then people will start listening to you. If you're a Republican and you give biblical critique to Republicans, uh, politicians and, and politics, and if you're a Democrat and you give p- biblical critiques to Democrat uh, politicians and p- uh, politics, then I think people will listen to you. I think that's a beautiful thing. So with that, um, Luke 7, 36 through, through 50, and I hope, I hope the Holy Spirit uh, uses these words uh, to draw you closer to his kingdom as we pray for Jesus' kingdom to come, or our, our Heavenly Father's kingdom to come, and his will to be done here in this place the way that it's done in heaven. Well, it is so great to be with you all this morning. As Pastor already said, I'm an alumni of Cornerstone. It's my first time in Christ Chapel. It is beautiful in here. It is beautiful to be with you. It's beautiful to worship with you this morning. We're going to be looking at a text this morning that talks about choices. So I thought I'd begin with some of the most important choices. You always hear that breakfast is the most important meal of the day. So uh, if you, you had a choice this morning to have ice cream for breakfast or pizza... And I know you made the right choice. What was it? You had them both, right? I know that's, that's the college breakfast life. Uh, I've been there. So another important choice in life is what college sports team you will root for. So let me see a, a raise of hands or, or feel free to, uh, to express your, your team loyalty vocally, if you wish. Who here roots for the big blue? 
Come on, let's hear it. Okay, all right, all right. In West Michigan, it is easy to root for the big blue. It's easy because most people in West Michigan are Michigan fans. I, I, when I was at Cornerstone, most of my friends were, were Michigan fans, and there's, there's social pressure that makes it somewhat easy if you grow up in West Michigan to be a Michigan fan. But how many in this room here Root for Sparty. Let's hear it. I know you're out there. Okay, good. Not as many, not as many, but you, you are there and you know where to find each other, right? When the game is on, you can find other Sparties, can't you? And it can be rough after a week, right? When you get beat and the Michigan fans are, are trying to pile it on you, but you can bond together. It's a, so social pressure makes it a little bit harder to be a Sparty fan. But how many in this room, I know there's some out there, how many root for Ohio State? Oh man, I knew there'd be some. Profanity, right? There's profanity on the screens at Cornerstone's Chapel. It's harder in West Michigan, in a way, to be an Ohio State fan. They're, they're, you, Michigan State fans get snide remarks, but Ohio State and Michigan fans might just start fighting. They might just go to blows. But here's the thing, if you're an Ohio State fan, you have the wins to back it up. So what's a Michigan fan really gonna say to you? We beat you once in the last 15 years. I mean, there's not a lot of smack talk that really can happen. Uh, raise your hand if you don't care about college sports. All right, I hear you, I hear you, love you. I got, a I got one for you that I hope you can participate in next. Raise your hand in this house if you root for the Cornerstone University Golden Eagles. Let's hear it, come on, come on. It ought to be all of you, it ought to be all of you, right? There's social pressure that makes it easy to root for Cornerstone Athletics. You would not go to your roommate or suite mate or friend's games on campus and cheer against them. There would be something wrong with your heart if you did that. Okay, this makes it uh, easy to root for Cornerstone. The social pressure is high to do so. Uh, let's hear it in the house. My last one. If you are a Calvin University Knights fan. Wow. Wow. Not wow, right? <laughs> Why? You wouldn't be a Calvin fan in the 10 Cornerstone right? You, you'd literally be on enemy territory. There, the social pressure here, as just we just heard loud and clear, the social pressure is huge not to root for Calvin. You're gonna, if, if you're going to root for Calvin, you'd go to Calvin, right? Uh, so so there, there's social pressure that dictates many of our choices, okay? Many of our choices. Think back to when you were in middle school, how many of your social press, uh, choices, your, your choices in middle school were dictated by social pressure? I would say all of them, right? How's my hair? How's my teeth? How are my clothes? And, and if you were like me, you had the hand-me-down clothes from your older brothers and sisters and they didn't have the name brand stuff. And so you really felt out of place in middle school and social pressure dictated who you hung out with and, and what you did. My daughter, who is seven, she recently got glasses. She stopped wearing her glasses to school. We asked her why. She said she's the only kid in her class with glasses. So she did not want to wear glasses to school. Meanwhile, there's another first grade boy, or there's a first grader who's a boy, 
And her and my daughter are, are great friends. And my wife is a teacher. And this boy's mother is also on staff at the school. So two staff kids. And the boy's mother was telling my wife how the boy is stealing his sister's glasses and wearing them around the house and wants to wear them to school. And the mom said, why on earth do you want to wear your sister's glasses to school? Well, because Sage, my daughter, wears glasses. <laughs> and so now he wants to wear glasses. It's the same in first grade as in middle school as to being a student at Cornerstone University, to being an adult of any age in the United States of America or around the world. Social pressure dictates our choices. So our text this morning, we're going to be looking at Luke chapter seven, starting in verse 36, and we're gonna see how social pressure dictated many choices in this text. So Luke begins, he says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on him. All right, so that set the stage for this scene. Jesus just got invited to the popular kid's house. The Pharisee was the popular kid. Pharisees had power in the first century Judaism. They had social power. They had economic power. They had religious power. They would have been social elite within the first century uh, Jewish culture that Jesus was living in. This likely was a Sabbath dinner. Jesus potentially would have just have taught at the synagogue and then gone to the Pharisee's house via invite. They would have been eating out in the courtyard of a home and there would have been common people, would have been normal when a rabbi got together with teachers of the law to listen in on the conversation, sort of like a commentary on what was just taught in church, so to speak. And so this woman, she follows Jesus to this scene and she creates an awkward scene. Jesus would have been eating with the Pharisees. They would have been reclining on a, a, a ground level sofa. They would have one arm on, on the ground and one arm eating and his feet would have been behind him. So she sort of snuck up behind him and started just weeping on his feet. Would that not be strange if I was preaching over here and someone sitting over here came on stage, started weeping on my feet and washing my feet with their hair? That would be strange and weird and awkward. And that's what's happening at this dinner. This scene is there. And the text tells us that this woman, the Greek says, who was in town, who was in the town, a sinner. So in the town, who was she? A sinner. She was known to be a sinner in town. We, we, we might put things together and say maybe she was known as a sexual sinner. Maybe she was a prostitute. Maybe she had that type of reputation. We don't really know, but we know that she was known for being a sinner. This is an awkward scene that's unraveling. And here's the thing. Jesus had to choose. Jesus had to make a choice. And there was huge social pressure for Jesus to go with the Pharisees on this one. The Pharisees looked at this woman and said, not a woman, sinful woman. 
What is she doing here? Why is she touching him? She doesn't belong here in this thing we call church. She doesn't belong with us. She's an outcast. She's an outsider. There was strong social pressure for Jesus if he wanted to have influence, power, and acceptance. Is that not what we want in our lives? Influence, power, and above all, acceptance. To go with the Pharisees. It was popular versus outcast. This woman at this meal is the woman when she walks into church, you go, ew. And you go over here, I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna clean up these bulletins over here. I think these need a, I think my coffee needs refilled, even though it's already filled. Ew, I don't, but I'm definitely not going over there. This is the woman when she walks into the Cornerstone cafeteria this afternoon for lunch, she sits down and nobody sits down next to her. And you go, I'm just gonna take my tray right over here. She was an outcast to the system. And what social pressure tells us when we see someone who's an outcast to the system, we say, we don't do that. We don't do those issues. I'm not gonna get messed up and mixed up in those issues. And here's the thing, Jesus had a choice to make. Pharisees or the woman? And he couldn't choose both. If he went with the Pharisees, he was shunning the woman and saying, my world's not your world. And if he goes with the woman, the outcast, the sinful woman with the bad reputation that was unclean, that didn't belong there, if he went with her, he's saying to the Pharisees, my world's not your world. He had to choose. He had to choose. The woman also had to choose. The woman had a choice to make. She knew she didn't belong there. She knew her reputation preceded her. She knew when she walked into a room, everybody went like this. But she heard Jesus. She knew she had to walk in front of those Pharisees who were gonna look down on her. That woman's one of them. She's not like us. She had to face their scorn, their lack of love, their hatred towards her but she heard Jesus. She heard him speak about the kingdom of God. She heard him speak about the gospel. She's put her faith in Jesus. And here's what the woman does. She puts tunnel vision on and she says, I'm gonna block everything else out because I want to be with Jesus. I don't care what the Pharisees think of me. I want Jesus. And some of us this morning have to make the choice the woman made and say, I don't care what society thinks of me, I want Jesus. And there, there's an election coming up and you might have to say, I don't care what, what that side of the aisle thinks of me or that side of the aisle thinks of me, I don't care what my family thinks of me, I don't care what my Facebook friends think of me, I want the love of Jesus in my life. I have to tunnel it out. I don't care what the Cornerstone community thinks of me. I don't care what my church thinks of me. I don't care what my denomination thinks of me. I want Jesus in my life. This is the choice that the woman had to make. She had to block out the lies. The Pharisees told her she was worthless. The Pharisees told her she was not the same as them. Those were lies. She had to come to Jesus to find the truth that she is God's daughter, fully loved, fully accepted by him because of his grace. Last person in our story, the Pharisee also had to choose. 
Will I see this woman as a dignified image bearer? Will I see her loved by God and therefore loved by me? Will I love her because God loves her? Will I see her as a child of God? Will I see her as someone created in God's image? Or will it be like at Thanksgiving and, and Thanksgiving's coming up and not sure how we'll get to celebrate it this year, but traditionally there's Thanksgiving and, and you have all these extended families and your Aunt Ruth shows up and, and how many times has Aunt Ruth been told to stop bringing weird stuff to Thanksgiving, but she keeps doing it. And so this year she's shocked, she's there to shock and wow and amaze you. She brought her homemade recipe, pickled pig's feet, and she puts them at the table and you go, there's no way in you know where that I'm going near those. And they walk by, they pass by your plate and you go, oh, come on, get that away from me. That, that is a, that's such a weird, get that, I don't even want to go near that. That's the choice that the Pharisees had before them. And, and we'll see what they choose. And if, if you've read this, you know what they choose. But ultimately their choice was, are there different levels of people or is there only one? Are there different levels of people? Is there a caste system within God's creation? Is there superiority and inferiority? Or is there only one? That's the choice that they had to make. So the text continues. When the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, saw this woman doing this, and a woman in this Jewish culture unbinding her hair like that in public, that had a certain sexual connotation to it as well. Not that she was being sexual with it, but culturally they would have seen that and said, what is she doing? And she is just beside herself, maybe with repentance, maybe with joy, she doesn't care. And the Pharisees go, if this man were a prophet, if, if he wants to be accepted by us, if he wants in our club, he thinks he's a prophet, let alone later talking about being the son of God, God incarnate, if he's that, he would know who is touching him, touching him, unclean, touching him. And in yellow, what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. I mean, these were words of venom that the Pharisees are projecting at Jesus and at the woman. The Pharisee ultimately decided that this woman was not a person we're gonna come back to that in verse 44. And it's very easy, brothers and sisters, to point fingers at the Pharisee, isn't it? We love pointing fingers at the Pharisees. They're, so, they're the hypocrites in the Bible, they do these things. Or that was the first century. We have these same choices today. I have these same choices today, every single day. Am I going to see people as people? Or am I gonna see them as that type of person? Brothers and sisters, my fellow cornerstone attenders, this will affect things like when you go to lunch today and how you view the people in the cafeteria. It will affect who you sit with, how you treat people that are different from you, how you treat outcasts in society. It will also affect the many who could never make it onto this campus. Politics aside, 
I know it's a heated time right now, but there's many, many people economically in the United States of America that they, couldn't, they, they could never even dream about going to college. And, and, and yes, it's one thing for us today on campus to love our fellow Christians as people. And Jesus is calling us, saying, in my gospel, in my world, I don't go to the Pharisee side. I go to the side of the outcast. And, and that's who's in my world. We continue. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. What Jesus does is a, is a quick little parable that he throws in here. 500 denarii is about 500 days of wages. So you could picture the salary you'd like to make someday and then about a year and a half's worth of that salary. That's, that's about what that debt would have been. I like to think of it as 500 bricks that this person was carrying around. Heavy stuff. The, the second person owed 50 denarii. Not an not a inconsequential amount, but just under two months worth of salary, So about 50 bricks that they're carrying around. And, and Jesus is putting the Pharisee on the spot. He's putting Simon on the spot. He says, which one is going to be more thankful? Which one is going to love the moneylender more? Uh, and he says, of course, the one with has the 500 bricks gone. I mean, he's, he's feeling much freer. He's feeling much lighter. His, his debt was so much greater. And, and if you notice uh, the way Simon answers, <laughs> he says, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. It's like, okay, mom, okay, dad, okay, chapel preacher, that's fine. I suppose I'm supposed to love the outcast. Okay, that's the Pharisee right here. And Jesus has got him nailed. He's got him nailed because it's so obvious, the power of grace that's happening. And the Pharisee simply did not want this grace affecting his life and his world and his group of who was in because he decided who was in. Not Jesus, not God, he did. And he wasn't, wanting God, he wasn't there for Jesus to, to mess with his inner circle. So we continue in verse 44. It says, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? We'll come back to that question. I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Oh, do you see this woman? Did the Pharisee see that woman? She didn't, they didn't, he didn't see her as a woman. He saw her as the sinful woman. He saw her as that type of woman. And Jesus says, do you see this woman as a person, as a precious, beloved child of God. 
One thing that I absolutely disdain about American politics is it doesn't allow us to talk about people and biblical issues as Christians. Our Christian and biblical authority has been, has been hijacked where if I talk about people that are suffering and outcast, you're gonna say, you're being political. I'm not being political. As Christians, we must care about people. Is that okay to say? Can I, can I say that? We must care about people as Christians. I do not care. Uh, I'm not going to bow at the feet of an elephant or a donkey. I will bow at the feet of Jesus, okay? That, that, and and that, that is my role as a follower of Jesus in this culture. Vote and, and bring Jesus into your, your politics by all means. But if you stop seeing people, if you stop seeing women and you stop seeing men and you stop seeing children and you just start seeing political issues, you have got to come back to the feet of Jesus. Do you hear me, brothers and sisters? And in the church, and I think you could make a valid point for both sides of the aisle, so I'm not, I'm not knocking your aisle here, but you still have to see an immigrant as an immigrant, as a person, as a person, a human being. You have to see a refugee as a person, as a human being. Brothers and sisters, I, I believe that marriage is designed by God to be between a man and a woman. And that's it. And I have friends, close friends, and they're same-sex attracted. Some call themselves gay, some don't. Some say same-sex attracted. But they, are, they also believe that God designed marriage to be within a man and a woman, and they're Christians, and they're following the Bible, and they're following Jesus. But they are outcasts. And I'm sitting here in worship and I'm crying. I'm, 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 don't go up there crying. You can't do a, an, a, ask people what sports team they like when you're crying. And I'm crying because I'm wrestling with the Holy Spirit saying, am I, do you really want me to say this this morning to this crowd? And he said, yes. Will you be the woman at my feet, not caring what they think of you? Yes, Jesus, I will. Because when you look at your church, why aren't the immigrants in your church? Why aren't the refugees in your church? Why aren't our brothers and sisters who struggle with same-sex attraction able to stand up and say, I struggle with that. Help me, be my friends, be my community. This is the church of Jesus. This is not the church of the Pharisees, the church of fill in the blank. I won't throw you under the bus if it's your church because it's my church too. But we, we, we have got to let Jesus take us on this journey. We're his followers. We're his followers, and it's the path of life and freedom. The deeper in grace I go, so the deeper I go in grace, the more I realize I'm the one with the 500 denarii debt. In Matthew 18, Jesus says it's 200,000 years worth of debt. That's how much debt I owe. The parable of the talents, that's how much, or the, the, uh, the unmerciful servant, that's how much uh, he's talking about in, in that parable. 200,000 years worth of salary. That's my debt. And when I come before God like this, and I say, God, how would you forgive me? I am such a sinner before you. How can I possibly look at you and say, you sinner? I am the sinner and I am freed and forgiven and I have been loved. 
And so when I look at you, I say, I love you. And 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 I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I love you. And and the deeper I go into that grace, the wider my view of God's beloved expands. God's beloved, that's a phrase I got from Henry Nouwen. Read the return of the prodigal son if you've never read it. God's beloved, it's who he loves. And he loves you. He loves everybody. He loves non-Christians. He came to seek and save the lost. And we are his beloved. And I cannot hate my father's beloved. I cannot hate my father's beloved. And the more I realize I'm forgiven, the more I can love you, the more I can see you. And if you got people in your life, you're like, I don't love those people. There's only one path to loving them. It's not to them, it's to Jesus. And it's realizing you're the one with the 500 denarii debt. And how much more grateful is that one to say, thank you, Jesus, that you relieved this debt from me to let people experience Jesus through you. My last one, uh, the last part of the text, and Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, your faith saved you. Go in peace. Brothers and sisters, Jesus chose the outcast. Jesus chose you. (laughs) He chose me. We are the outcast. And we are to choose the outcast against the social pressure of the day. And brothers and sisters, the Pharisees were invited into the church too. Jesus loved the Pharisees. There were Pharisees in the church. Paul was a Pharisee. The church is for both. But we have to realize the power of grace conquers the power of social pressure. We're all in a social pressure from the day you were a little kid, first grade like my daughter, middle school like I talked about, who who you root for. That's a funny example, but we make decisions based on social pressure. And Jesus says, make decisions based on Jesus. Make decisions based on the decisions Jesus made, the people that he loved, the people that he welcomed in. And the truth of the Bible is the path of life for all of us. And we're all carrying a cross. It's hard. And we must carry those crosses together in community. So let it change who you sit by at lunch today. But let it also change your life mission and life trajectory. Because like Jesus, you cannot choose the Pharisees and the outcasts. You can't choose them both. Either your world will be the world of the Pharisees' world or it'll be the world of the outcast who are not welcome in that world. And my prayer is that for my life, Holy Spirit, help me that I will live in this world no matter the social pressure to do otherwise. Let's pray together. Jesus, you're with us. You're so good. You were so good at that table as that woman. She, she, she wept at your feet. And God, may we just weep at your feet this morning. May we weep at your feet and maybe even in doing so we would cast down some idols. We would be convicted by your spirit, by your scriptures that we haven't had tunnel vision. We, we've been following social pressures and, and, and we haven't been seeing people as people. God, may we see people as people in this upcoming election. May we love those we disagree with. May we love our fellow Cornerstone students that we disagree with. May we, may we win people to you through our love. God, the, the way you did and, and give us eyes for the outcast. 
and, and those in this room that feel like outcasts, may they know you love them, that the church is for them. You are for them, even if they haven't experienced that. I thank you, God, for them. I thank you for the crosses that they are bearing that nobody may even know about, but you know and you're with them. And I pray that they find safe people to talk to about that cross that they're bearing. God, we love you. We worship you. We go from this place and worship that we would worship you as we see the people that you put in our path today. And we, we commit, I, I pray on behalf of the student body for the rest of our lives that our mission trajectory would be to show the power of the gospel to the outcast as well as to the Pharisee. And God, may your name be glorified in it. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. Amen. Thank you so much, Cornerstone students. I truly love you. Uh, I, I love being an alumni of Cornerstone. I hope you have a wonderful day as the power of the gospel fills you to go from this place to love in the way that Jesus loves you. You're dismissed. All right, well, welcome back to the podcast now. It's always a strange transition when I go, honestly, from, from a sermon that's obviously, you know, pre-recorded back to the podcast. Uh, newsflash, I did not just listen to the sermon again. <laughs> uh, we, we edited it in to the podcast. And so I, I did this uh, last episode and I, I, I listened to the transition later and thought, that wasn't a very good transition because uh, the, so the sound on the sermon sounded actually very similar to the podcast. And so as a listener, you may have been going, wait a second, is he still preaching? Is he back on the podcast again? And usually sermons for me end in a pretty emotional sort of, you know, bringing it home moment, conviction moment. And then I'm back on here going, Noah's rant time, you know? <laughs> so I apologize for that. Uh, you're, you're, I'm sure you're used to that by now. The Flipside Podcast, if you've ever driven a stick shift car, uh, we, we're like a stick shift car that doesn't have a second gear or a fourth gear. We just go, we just go from first gear to third gear to fifth gear, back to first gear. You know, it's just like ka chunk, ka chunk, like the the way the 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 car um, does not alternate smoothly between gears. But we love it. We do, we do. All right. So with that. Enough of that, enough of that serious stuff, enough of that life-changing, uh, bringing God's kingdom here and, 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 and people connecting with the gospel of, of their eternal salvation. Enough of that stuff. Enough of your identity in Christ. You don't have to seek it out anywhere else because you know you're a son or a daughter and have to be reminded of that. Enough of all that serious stuff. It's time now for the moment you've been waiting for for so long, for weeks, like being stranded in the desert without water and you're crawling on your hands and your knees. You're saying, I've listened to all the Noah's rants in existence. I've listened to them each three times. When will there be a new Noah's rant? I can't go on another day without it. Well, good news, brother, sister. That day is today. It's time for the one, the only Noah's rant. Noah's rant. All right, so it's November. I don't know what state you're listening in, but in the great state of Michigan, where I am residing, November definitely means winter time. 
November's also that time early in winter where people start busting out. Have you seen these before? These winter jackets, big puffy winter coats that don't have sleeves on them. I have you seen these before? They're just a vest. It's a it's a vest that you put on. It's like, man, it's cold out. I'm so cold. I'm going to go grab my winter jacket that's only a vest with no arms at all. Because, you know, I don't really need my arms to be warm. I only need my, my, my chest and my back to be warm. My arms, you know, if they get cold, if they freeze off, no big deal. Or, or maybe it's how hairy my arms are. They're fine. They, I, don't, I don't really need those sleeves type things for my arms. I only need this, this, this inside vest that's super puffy. And if I could only keep my chest and belly warm, then my whole body would be warm. I mean, seriously, what gives with this? What I wonder is, is do people know what they're buying when they go to buy one of these winter coats? I mean, I want to give people a bone. I want to give you some grace. I understand we do a lot of online shopping nowadays. I've been there too, where I thought I was getting something and it looked like it was maybe two feet long on the website. And when it showed up, it was only six inches. And I thought, man, that photo was really deceiving of this item that I just bought. Maybe it was a toy for my kids or a tool or something like that. So I get it. You may have saw that big puffy winter coat online and you just assume what any red-blooded American would assume. The sleeves must be folded behind the jacket. No big deal. Who on earth would sell or buy a jacket with no sleeves is what you're thinking. It's winter, right? It's not like like the cold front only comes in and says, oh, there's a dude I'm just or, or a lady. I'm just going to go after their torso and I'm going to leave uh, I'm going to leave the arms alone. No, no, nobody, you know, would buy one of these, one of these jackets. So, so you think, why would anyone sell one of these jackets? No, is no, nobody's out like, like a practical jokester there. They work at the jacket company like, Hey, 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 Phil, check this out. Here's what we should do. Check it out. It's like April fools or whatever, but it's winter. And it, let's actually, we're selling regular jackets too. Yeah, that's great. But let's actually let's actually not put sleeves on some of them and just see how many people we get. We'll just be like these suckers, you know, and they'll get them. It'd be so funny. We could maybe videotape their reactions and and put them on YouTube and be rich. And they're like, yeah, okay, great. You will add them to the inventory. And so you got people. I don't I don't get it though. Then they get them in in the mail. And and why do you why do you still wear that? I did. I mean, maybe they're not refundable. I kind of I kind of get that. Maybe it was a hand me down. And I get it if you're like having a hard time financially and you had to go to Goodwill to buy your winter coat. Totally get it. I don't. I'm not. No judgment there. Your your arms. You just kind of put some extra. Maybe. You could put some pants on your arms. That would probably work. Actually, you could you could probably you could probably figure. I kind of like that. I like that creativity. You could get some. You could get a, a vest, puffy jacket, and and then get some winter pants, uh, snow pants, and stick your arms through those. And boom, like totally get it. 
uh, it's ve very functional. I, I'm not I'm not judging you if you're in financial restraints, and that's what Goodwill had. I mean, you you go to Goodwill, you can't walk into Goodwill saying, "Hey, I'm I'm here at Goodwill to buy a, a, a red uh, winter coat." Uh, with uh, you know, with that, with the hood on it, and, and give me one of those. It's like no, you you get you get what they have. And if all Goodwill has is a puffy jacket vest with no sleeves, you're like, man, I really like some sleeves. You know what I'm saying? Uh, my arms are gonna be freezing. I live in Michigan, but at least I'm smart. I mean, I, I may not have a lot of money, and then th that's okay. We don't money is is you know it's just it's an idol anyway, right? No no judgment, but. You, you you do have you do have your your brain and you go but I but my arms are going to be freezing so I will buy those those hand me down uh, 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 <laughs> pants snow pants and I'm gonna put those uh, over over my arm and here's the thing if this is like a legit thing no it can't be legit because no you don't do this with any other winter product nobody's out there selling gloves that only have the index or the or I mean the 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 ring finger and the middle finger uh covered and they leave your index finger your thumb and your pinky exposed that's not nobody does that that's not cool no that would be I mean you you would be a fool you'd be like yo why are you only keeping your two middle fingers warm and not the fingers on the outside you wouldn't nobody does that with stocking hats you don't just you know, even if you had, a, like, think of a mohawk or something, you still have to keep your head warm. The, the whole head, uh, the left hemisphere, the right hemisphere, not just uh, the middle hemisphere. Here's the deal. I'm a, I'm a, you know, online shopper. So I'm on Google right now looking at these vests that, that all you are getting suckered into buying. And they're not cheap. You can get a, a, a Canada Goose Freestyle Crew vest for $450. Like four hundred fifty dollars. Now I've never even heard of that company before, right? So maybe that's just for I don't know who that's for. There's one on here for twenty two hundred dollars. You could get a North Face nineteen ninety six retro for a hundred and ninety nine dollars of a vest, a puffy vest. And you're going, who is spending two hundred dollars for a vest? You you would think if you're only getting half a jacket, that thing should be half off. Like that. That's, you should write to North Face and say, yo, you can't charge me $200. That's what a full jacket cost. This is only half a jacket. You, If I bought a pair of socks from you for $20, I would expect you to send me two socks, not one. And if you sent me one, you need to charge me half the price because I would need to buy two in order to be fully warm. And the thing about these jackets, if you've noticed how puffy they are, who the reason they're so puffy is because they're trying to keep you double warm. It's it's an illogical conclusion. They think, yo, let's get rid of the arms and let's take all that puff. And I think they just actually stuck the sleeves inside the puffy vest part. It's like it's like a little game, a scavenger hunt. Hey, here's your jacket. It's a can you find the sleeves? They're actually up in there. You have to, there's maybe a little zipper or you can make a little incision and you pull them out. You do a little surgery and then your vest part won't be so puffy. You walk around looking like you got, you're the incredible Hulk on your torso, but you got these little twiggy toothpick arms. 
It's because they they think you'll they think it's a matter of just how much puff they give you will keep your whole body warm. But it's not about how much puff there is. We have to distribute the puff around your whole torso in order to keep the whole torso warm. Now, in conclusion, there is definitely a silver lining to this this problem. That I mean, we know the the world is in a rough place right now as we talk about often on the flip side. So, some entrepreneur out there, feel free to do this if you're a listener. Uh, I would like a 10% cut of the company when you do, but some very wise entrepreneur needs to take advantage of these companies, North Face and others who are who are crooks and they're they're selling people half jackets and these poor innocent consumers are buying them un like unknowing of what they're getting and, and really wearing them around looking I think quite foolish. And so what we need to do is help people self-esteem. I, I I'm really tired of people getting mocked and made fun of. Like, yo, it's Michigan, it's winter. You why are you only wearing half a jacket? Can you imagine someone only wearing half of a pair of pants walking around? I don't mean shorts. I mean, <laughs> like only the middle part was covered. It's like a big loincloth, you know, with the the outer, the hips. You know, the, the important stuff's covered, but everything else is bare. No, I mean, that would be horrible. Yet we allow this to happen with jackets. So an entrepreneur needs to see this opportunity and if you can make a buck on it while making the world a better place you you can make you can make people whole you can help them from being made fun of and keep their whole bodies warm here's here's all we need is a company who is committed to selling attachable sleeves you could your 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 tagline i mean easy you could have infomercials did you get duped into buying a sleeveless winter coat and and you know you you could you could file a lawsuit or you could just buy our attachable sleeves. It'd be awesome. You could buy these sleeves. They could be puffy. You could have different designs, different colors. You can mix and match each day. I'm telling you, this is the next Fortune 500 company. Attachable sleeves to the puffy vest. So if, if you go into that, please let me know. You can sponsor the Flipside Podcast. We can work together on making the world a better place, really of bringing God's kingdom as we pray here to this place. Because in God's kingdom, he wants people's arms to be warm as well. So as, as always, the Flipside Podcast exists uh, the Noah's rant, I should say, uh, Noah's rant particularly exists to make the world a better place. And I do believe we have done that today. We've done our part. You can, you can go to bed tonight, put your head on the pillow saying, I have done my part. I listen to Noah's rant. I have applied its principles. I have shared this information with others and together exponentially, we will make the world a better place. I hope you enjoyed this episode. This wraps up episode 38 of the Flipside Podcast. Check out beyondthebattle.net for new seven-week online small groups through the Beyond the Battle book. If you do not subscribe to the podcast, please do. If you like the podcast, why don't you share it on Facebook? Why don't you share it on social media? That would be great. Until next time, we'll see you on the flip side. The Flip Side with Noah Filipiak is a South Francis Press production. 
Copyright Noah Flipiak, www.noahflipiak.com. Theme music by Kyle Lake at K Lake Music, used with permission. Please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or wherever podcasts are found. Y'all, y'all, dripping in that gall that don't perish. People selling fake, see the green around their belly. Taking refuge in his hand, see his poems, my living quarters. Close them when I'm finished, it's time to bring me closer. There's no purgatory, cause you're in or you're out. When you see them in the clouds, then you know it's going down. Raise them, raise them, raise them. They've been sleeping for some ages. Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred. Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list. Money probably long, but short is with your days. Have you ever heard the sound of freedom? Then I hope you see him clearly Raise him, raise him, raise him They've been sleeping for some ages Now all God's babies so confused by this hatred Poor pit preachers shouldn't aim to be A-list Money probably long, but sure it's with your daisies